0: Welcome back to the Make Account Podcast. I'm Marcus Meir, founder of Mir Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting
1: System. And I'm Tyler Warner, small business owner with a lot of accounting questions.
0: All right, Tyler, I, uh, I love these episodes when it's not just me talking because we have a guest today. That's right. Guest I've been excited to have on, Reese Terrio, who is the CEO and founder of Fulcrum Sales and Marketing. So we're going to kind of let him go and give his story a little bit, give a little backdrop, tell us what Fulcrum does, all that stuff.
1: Cool. So that's the intro. Huh?
0: That's the that's intro. it, man. Like, Was
1: it impressive? Well, I'm, I'm overwhelmed.
0: you you wonder with the yeah. total control of galaxies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: well, yeah. Like, so stay mm, tuned.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, like Marcus said, I'm, my name's Reese Terrio. Uh, born and raised in in St. Martinville, Louisiana, um, which is you know 20 minutes outside of Lafayette for those of you that are out of town. I um, went through college and got a job right out of college in medical sales, orthopedic device sales. That's kind of the job everybody wants if they're in—if they're trying to get into a sales career, you know?
0: Yeah, those pay well right out of the gate. They pay,
2: they pay well. They're exciting. They're, um, it's, it's something people can get passionate about, which is helping other people. Selling something that help, helps people, right. helps mend broken people, you know? It's kind of, yeah.
1: And you wear scrubs, too. You wear scrubs. <laughs> I remember that tripped me out. I ran into a guy that I knew from college. That I knew was not in the medical field, yeah. but I was at the hospital, and the dude walks out in scrubs. I'm like, dude, are you punking somebody right now? Why are I'm you, punk. why are you walking out of surgery? And he was like, Oh, I'm a, I sell. Uh, I think he sold knees, knee uh, replacements. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what, and was I'll, it Jesse White? No, no, no. Uh, and I was like, that makes more sense that you're a salesman. That's why I was tripped out that you right. were in scrubs at a hospital. But I was like, they just let you guys walk around like y'all are. Doctors? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I,
2: I like to tell people that, uh, you know, like coming from public relations business school, I got into medical sales, and, like, I, I didn't even know what a patella was. I thought mm-hmm. it you know, p- potato chip, patella, same <laughs> yeah. thing. Right. You know, is yeah. it is it uh, a certain kind of Nutella? or yeah. bread. I have no <laughs> yeah. idea. Yeah. And so, like, um, I had to – it was like drinking from a fire hose. The anatomy, the navigation of anatomy, um, trying to understand – what exactly we sell? The interesting thing about orthopedic devices is you don't really sell the device; you sell the technique, the surgical technique. Okay. Um, which is an interesting paradigm because a lot of people think they sell a product or a service. In orthopedics, they're all the same. All the you know they try to be different and they have yeah. different tensile strength
1: and they all last of the twenty years. Of they're lifetime. all the
2: same. <laughs> You know, like they've all had millions and billions of dollars of research poured into them. They're all good. It's the technique. It's the how to get the outcome the doctor wants is what really what they're buying. And in Arthrax, that's what you sold. You sold doc, I got this new technique to do this repair and it uses this special anchor and this special delivery system and this special right, this special mm-hmm. special suture thing. And so it was like that's one of the things that it taught me was it's all outcomes focused. People buy outcomes, they don't buy products or services. They oh, buy man. benefits, right? Don't, don't make me good on this. Right. They, they buy. <laughs> and we were talking about that yeah. the other day. Yeah. You know, they, they buy benefits, yes, and that's what I... Um, so to go back to my story, after about three years mm-hmm. in orthopedic sales, um, our, dis- our distributorship started to, like, dismantle. Ar- Arthrex was the company I worked for. They were out of Naples, Florida, but we were all contract- contracted through a distribution network. We had, like, a... Probably a forty million dollar distribution company, um, and our territory did about sixteen of that forty, and so we were a pretty robust group. And um, I was really rising to the top of that group because I was one of the only guys in the group that enjoyed prospecting for new business, and oh. I'll tie back into yeah, that later. I was say. because because in in orthopedic devices you have uh, all of my friends that are in that field. If they listen to this, they're gonna laugh when I say the word case cover. You have people that are just case covers. They show up to the case, yep. they do their job, and they'll cross sell, upsell if the opportunity presents itself. Then you got guys like that I enjoyed being this type of guy, which was I'm gonna go get new doctors and sell them new stuff that they never saw. I'm gonna build the business, right? Not just from a case cover opportunity, but from a net new doctor, new physician relationship.
0: And if you did that if you did the kind of that case cover method, I mean you could maintain what you had, Mm -hmm. the relationships are there, make your income, but you were more interested I just bigger growing. I enjoyed
2: building a new relationship from the ground up that wasn't predicated Mm -hmm. on what they thought Arthrex was or the experience they had with another rep on the team, or I liked owning that, you know. Um and kind of building it from scratch. It was like hunting for deer. It was fun. It was, you know, it was, it was cool. So I did a lot of that, and my boss allowed me to do a lot of that, and that promoted me pretty quickly because when you have a team that's mostly case covers and then you got one guy that's prospecting for new business and the company's bonusing you on new business growth, yeah. You're going to tend to like this cat a little bit more. Yeah, cuz his know? bonus
0: is probably a little better too if you do better, right?
2: Yeah. So, uh <laughs> cool. so you know, that, that's kind of where I was. And while I was doing medical sales, I was getting my MBA. I was also trying to launch a, t- a tech business, which was called Cajunnet.com. You don't know about that. <laughs> Cajunnet? Cajunnet.com. I was trying to be a localized social media site. Okay. So if you think about Pandora, Pandora is a music aggregator. Yeah. I wanted to be Pandora for local news. Okay. Where... Because what I learned was most people were going to Facebook to get their news, and Facebook is just rife with trash. Right? Yeah. there's good news out there. KLFY, KTC, you know, they're they're pour, they're pouring into curating the content, curating the news, but it's it's just not shared appropriately. And so I wanted to like stream these news sources in, and this curated content in, and then allow for feedback and and user generated content but I didn't want someone posting the article and reframing it incorrectly. Ah, gotcha. I wanted the news source to post the article on the feed, and then if you want to opine, you can comment on the article. But gotcha. the original source in Summit was there.
0: Kind of like Developing
2: Lafayette? Kind of like Developing yeah. Lafayette, but across all industries Correct, and, and right. use cases. Gotcha. And he was actually launching that the same time I was launching CajunNet. It was yeah. very like, it was akin, very similar. Okay. So I was doing that and scratching the entrepreneurial bug, um, doing medical sales and then getting my MBA. Then the company started to kind of dismantle and I had to make a decision on what to do next in my life. It was either be a career medical sales guy and start chasing the rank yep. or go down a different path. So I started pinging people looking for an opportunity, uh, my uh an old mentor of mine, Jeffrey Stewart, was the department head at u l Lafayette in the marketing department and was like, "Man, you meet all the basic low level qualifiers for uh, a sales professor job uh, to teach sales yeah and I was like, dude
0: no I'm not come on <laughs> that doesn't exactly uh align with mover and shaker that's like, right like you're the guy like growing the the sales business and the go yeah when you when you told me that the other day I was like Sure. Now, but here's the funny thing. Yeah. So the funny thing
2: is, is at that same time, I thought, well, maybe I want to be like a motivational speaker or something like yeah. that because I love, I love speaking
0: in front of a crowd. It, that's one of the th- times when like the world stops for me. Thankfully, that you got a big audience here, so <laughs> please, please continue. <laughs> yeah. So we our we really loyal feeling, listeners, feeling the thrill right that's now. That's right. I'm like juiced up right now. Um,
2: <laughs> so I was doing a lot of speaking at like high schools and, and stuff like that for free, you know, and just kind of working that muscle.
3: Yeah. And
2: so when he, when he pitched that out, I was like, Oh, I get to speak in public every day. Kind of cool. And so I, you know, I said, well, why not? I'm just going to, I'm going to go and interview with the Dean. I'll never get this freaking job. You right. Know, I'm 24 years old. <laughs> I don't know anything about sales really. Right. And so I ended up interviewing with Dean Fontenot and she offered me the job that night. And, um, It was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, I guess. So I I took the job, and uh, I'll never forget the first first day of the first semester. I thought, man, it would be fun to just sit in the front row and let all the students come in and just be like, (laughs) where is this asshole at? You know, like, are we going to start class? And they'd walk in and. Everybody, you could tell everybody was kind of like, man, where, where's the teacher? You and know? you're in
0: a hoodie, of course. And so I said, uh, I stood up and I said,
2: I'm going to teach this damn class if this guy's not going to show up. And <laughs> did
0: then, you really do this? Yeah, I really did this.
2: <laughs> and they were like, because uh, I had to settle my nerves, man. I was, I was so nervous.
0: That, uh, you have um, so many
2: ideas now. And then they were like, uh, yeah, man, like they laughed or whatever, like look at this <laughs> guy, you know. Yeah. And so I said, I'm Reese Theriault. I'm going to be teaching y'all. And they were like, yeah, very funny. So I pulled up the syllabus and it says Reese Terry on Moodle and it's like, oh, this is the dude. Yeah, this is what? so that kind of <laughs> set my pace for UL. Where, yeah, you know, I was I lied about my age all the time and to everybody, <laughs> told everybody I was thirty four, not twenty four. But um, it was fun, man. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it really was. I taught I taught people who were forty something all the way down to 19, 18 year old kids, essentially.
0: Yeah, um, did they give you the curriculum? I mean, obviously.
2: The, I was they tell, the, you, they the, tell you the goal, the out, the objectives of the class. Okay. That's it, and it was like five objectives.
0: Okay, and so you build the curriculum around the objectives. Whatever you wanted, really. No, never I had, had done this before.
2: No, and okay. I, I had inherited a syllabus from the previous instructor. Okay, so I tried to imitate the syllabus as much as possible. Yeah, but I didn't really want a textbook because I didn't want to. I didn't want students thinking they had to read before they came to class. I just wanted them to come and pay attention. Yeah, and so I really. I read the whole textbook, diluted the information, found supporting
0: content on YouTube and stuff like that, and really made, like, a really fun environment. Yeah, it was was really cool. This is, you know, it's it's, it's interesting to me right now because we're having these same conversations in our office, like, about, and I hope, I don't know anybody's going to hear this, but we're talking about how the accounting profession is teaching the next accountants, Mm. and it's people— At the universities, who are not well. First of all, they're not in public practice or in whatever doing doing the thing. They're not doing the thing, but also they're not doing the thing and teaching the old ways to do the thing. Right. So we had literally a meeting the other day. We were all just bouncing around ideas. What left? What came of it is Quentin and I are going are working with our state society. Are going to? We're like we got to figure this out because nobody's teaching. While you're, this is encouraging me because. What I'm getting from you is I went there and had a different method. When you said uh, YouTube videos, I mean, like, that's almost like the baseline for us. Mm-hmm. How most people learn is by uh, watching videos now, this kind of Udemy style. and Yeah. And, uh, but, like, it's, it encouraged me to be like, no, it's really true. Like, nobody's teaching this way, but that's how everybody learns. Yeah. And we're not giving them the content. Like, I know in, yeah. in my industry, we're putting out people who don't know how to do the way the business is going. So, I'm,
2: yeah. I'm real
0: intrigued by that. So,
2: I taught, I taught entry-level intro to sales. Which was my favorite class to teach. I taught advanced selling, which was the next level up. That was the in that level we picked our sales students to compete on the sales team. So UL has a sales team. It's like a speech and debate team. Really? Yeah. And so you you kind of bring these students through the curriculum, and the best ones can try out for the sales team. We have a tryout day. And then uh, they join the team, and you compete nationally against other sales teams.
0: You're kind of given, like, uh, in a competition, you might be given a scenario. Here's your product. That's exactly Here right. Here are the objections. Okay. So a lot, of this, a lot of the products are, like, um, ADT um,
2: payroll. What's the big payroll? ADP. Product? ADP. ADP payroll sponsors, like, the national competition. So you go in and you sell ADP solutions. Okay. Or you go in and you sell… Um, some of the other big sponsors, you'd sell their stuff. Gardner. Okay. Gardner was a sponsor one year. Okay. And so the, the way the, the uh, competition works is you have a professional in front of you. Student walks in. There's a scenario. You do a live role play. You're prepared with objections. Okay. And so I'm having the sales dialogue with you, right? I'm following a method. And then it's all live viewed for, by hundreds of professionals outside. Wow. And they're grading you on a rubric. Okay, and then they do like two or three rounds of that, and the best ten make it to the next rounds, and then you have like a sell-off where it's the top three. They all it's the same thing. It's like the Super Bowl, right? Like all the people meet and they're grading them, and then they name a
0: winner. So, First, is there in in sales? Are there is there a method that most people use? Are there different ones? You know, you got your guys like Grant Cardone, yeah. who seems to be a little more like uh, I'm gonna say pushy is not the right word, and it says they're like intentional. Um, ready for the objections? No, you know, really solution driven, and I'm sure you got other different styles. Is it in sales? Is it get back to there's some core principles, but you got to be yourself and like. Yeah, or I do mean, you see one type of person that really excels? Yeah. So it's very much role
2: specific, and so I I'll, I'll, I'll get through my story okay. and then I'll talk about okay. that because that's a good point. Yeah. So you have um, prospecting mm-hmm. is is something that really motivates. I'm re- I really like doing that piece. And then you have role clarity, a role specific teams, So that's important. And then you have like um, this next piece that I'm going to say, which is while I was teaching at UL, I had some amazing students. Like most of them were amazing. You know, like you hear about entitlement amongst these younger yeah. kids. And I never saw that. Right. It was more or less like you had good ones and you had bad ones, just like any other thing in life. Yeah. You know, and the good ones were really good and the bad ones were really bad.
0: You know? <laughs> right. And so it, they it moved, wasn't... They went to philosophy. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like <laughs> they were a sales. generational, these are all bad people. Yeah, I've experienced the same thing. You know what I mean? And this kind of But Yeah, I know what you're talking
2: about. So I had all these um, sales, great sales students who were graduating looking for entry-level sales positions and they could not get jobs. And they really wanted the medical device sales job. But like, that's the job that they'd never get right out of college. And... You say, well, Rich, you got it right out of college. Yeah, but I knew somebody. Right. right? Like somebody trusted me and knew my integrity, and they took a, a bet on me, and I had a really stellar resume. And um, I interviewed well, and I'm, I'm a born salesperson, so it made sense. So yourself, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But most of, most of the students coming out of my, my classes were really good. I trained them. I coached them. They took sales classes, and these companies still wanted two, three years' experience. So the paradigm was, where am I going to go get two year, or three years experience if nobody's going to give me two or three right. years experience? Right, yeah. So that was one big problem that I saw. The second thing that UL afforded me was a lot of opportunity to do coaching and consulting and training at companies. Like, I coached and trained half of Stellar's sales force.
0: Yeah, for the, anybody listening, Stellar's a major diamond jewelry yeah. distributor in, headquartered in Lafayette, Louisiana. like Largest the jewelry manufacturer in the world. In the world,
2: huh? yeah, international, yeah. yeah. And so I trained their sales team, and for lack of a better way to say it, it's like the training never stuck. Every time I did training, it was like rah-rah, and then it never stuck. Yeah. It would make a difference, but the management wouldn't take that training and really implement it into the company. And so I started getting the feeling that, you know, I'm not really jazzed up about selling sales training or consulting because it doesn't work. The training is the right training, but it, it never gets implemented. Because once you go.
0: That's it? right. Yeah.
2: And consultants, they kind of live off of that. Like they want that to happen because that means they keep getting the gig, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And that, it didn't, I almost took this mindset of I should just do this myself for the company. Like I'll stick around. And I'd love to work with this company forever and be a partner, but I, I need to do the work, right? Yeah. And so that's when the model started to reveal itself to me, which was, well, Reese, hire the salespeople coming out of university, give them the entry-level job, teach them, train them, coach them, equip them, manage them, and then supply them
0: back to the marketplace as like a managed IT service would. This is brilliant. I need, I'm need. i like, maybe this is the byproduct of Quentin and I getting involved with the, with the college, right? Yeah, we go. get everybody trained up in our system. In our, right. And essentially your belief system, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And
2: you get them to see accounting in a different way. Yeah. Because right now they're seeing accounting as if the professor tells them right. what accounting
0: is. Yeah, that's the issue.
2: So if they get to the end of the route, and, you know, it's really at no fault to the professor, really. They're teaching the curriculum. That's right, yeah. They got a textbook, and they're teaching it. But who's inspiring them to be good accountants? You're right. Who's telling them how important their role is? Yeah. Who's telling them how, how great the uh, conversations in the career path could be as a really good accountant? I don't know. No one.
0: You want to come to these meetings we're going to have? <laughs> <laughs> we, we need all. you. We need we you, need we you bro. Have,
2: <laughs> so I was able to do that in the classroom. Tell yep. them the importance of sales. Show them the path. Um, inspire them and motivate them. And so when they were coming out of my classes, they were like, I was like, I'm going to get into sales. And then they get discouraged because nobody would hire them. Yeah. And so the business model started to kind of come to light. And so I hired uh, Brian, who had just graduated from my class and graduated from college. I hired Patrick Hunley, who was on the ops and more like admin side. And us three guys, we just kind of set out and started doing it. So one of our first customers was, was the Cardiovascular Institute of the South. They were trying to start a whole new division called telecardiology. It was like a new product that was sold to rural hospitals. And the uh, VP of business development at the time, he's now the CEO of a, of a, a subsidiary of CIS, Jacob Corbell. Um, at the time, he was VP of business development. He was the only salesperson in the whole company. It's a $200 million company. And he's the yeah, only that guy that does revenue. Right? Yeah. So he was like, "Look, he actually offered me a job as as his director to build this whole thing out." And I said, "Nah, you don't you don't want me to work for you." He said, "What you mean? Like, I'm gonna come in and tell you how to do this, and we're gonna and I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna want a cold call and pound the street and smoke this thing, and you're gonna be like, nah, that's not the CIS way.'
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> right. I know it because yeah, yeah, y'all have yeah. grown organically and yeah. y'all don't do outbound B2B sales and You're you're mostly growing through patient growth,
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: And so it's like you're not gonna get it. So I said, why don't you just contract with Fulcrum? I'll be a director. I'll go hire the team, and we'll produce the outcome. So at this point, you said you had you had started Fulcrum. I had started. Yeah, you had a couple clients. I had a couple like performance only clients. Okay, gotcha. And we were just seat of the tail trying to figure it out. (laughs) Flying by the seat of the pants type thing. (laughs) And CIS was our first big, like, this is a known company in town. This is a big deal. Yeah. And so uh, we offered them a price point that they couldn't say no to. Jacob said, yeah, man, okay, let's try it. I, I taught Brian how to cold call CEOs of hospitals. We, we wrote a script. We started an outbound email sequence, and the, the meeting started lining up. And Jacob got on the meet. Got, he, he was the expert, right? Yeah. So, like, Brian was CIS. He'd get the meeting sell Jacob's expertise, sell the program. Jacob would come to the table, do the demonstration. And CEOs, most of the time, were like, wow, this is really, really awesome. And so Brian would help get the next step. And in the, in the next year and a half, we helped them close $4 million worth of business. Wow. You from know, nothing. From nothing. Yeah. From, from Honestly, from an idea. Yeah. They, had, they had a couple hospital contracts that they had done this. With their current customers, they wanted to scale it to net new con, net new hospitals. Right, and we got the meetings cold, and then um, I think we, it, I think it took about sixty something meetings to
0: close the first one, and then and then they started. Was there any ahead. like discouragement at that point? Oh my gosh, dude! Because you guys are thinking like, we got it, we got our big client.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I I am blown away by, repeatedly
0: blown away by how hard sales. Yeah. How hard it is. It's so hard. Yeah. And in certain. Which is probably why it turns over a lot of people, right? It turns over a lot of people. It's not for everyone. And I, I'll say this too.
2: I learned that companies don't hire entry level salespeople because they truly don't have a sales strategy. Probably why they don't hire entry level accountants because they don't have a good accounting strategy. Right. So they're hiring someone who's a veteran, a couple years' experience at the bare minimum. Yeah, hoping that they'll come to the team and tell them what to do. Uh, okay. They're hoping that the strategy's baked in. Yeah. from f- the former employer, from the former company that they worked at. They're hoping that that salespeople come, that salesperson comes in and says, "I worked for Epic, you know, the largest uh, healthcare ERP um, EMR system in the world. I know how to do this healthcare sales thing." Right. They won't hire an entry level salesperson because they don't know how to put them on a path of
0: success. Right.
2: And so that's kind of how the, the Fulcrum business model works is I'm really good at seeing the path and, and paying attention to what's working, not working, and building that path on the fly. And so I can coach the entry-level sales team, and they're not entry-level anymore, but I can coach my team on how to execute well and deliver outcomes for the client. Gotcha. Yeah. And we've gone through so many gyrations on
0: pricing and oh, on approach bet. and on business model. It's join crazy. join the club. That's right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right. So you got you got Fulcrum going. You got the client that launched you. Yep. Like, what are what are people coming to? So I want. Then you and I talked about this, and I didn't. I didn't know the difference. I mean, I I knew what inbound sales were, kind of like in the jargon yeah. you hear people talking. Like, right. got to get inbound leads. I'm like, okay, I get that. Like, my content's got to bring people in. That's I got to right. drip campaigns, and but like the outbound stuff, I never heard it really mm-hmm. described that way. So kind of. Explain that a little bit for people who are like, okay, what does that mean for outbound sales? I think people get salespeople, but kind of bring it all together as to what exactly y'all are doing.
2: Yeah, so there's really in—first in, of all, we should clarify that I'm talking about business to business.
0: Yeah, correct. Sales
2: and marketing. Yeah, you
0: said B2B, yeah.
2: B2C, business to consumer, is a little different. Yeah. You know? Um, you're know, you in the B2C game mostly, which is um, consumer, right in real estate you're mostly selling to homeowners and stuff that's a consumer right um, if you're doing commercial real estate it's b2b yeah. to some degree right so anyway i say that because it's 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 important to understand we're in two different buckets in b2b you have two two kind of different approaches that you can do at the same time but most people do one or the other and the the popular one right now is inbound marketing inbound selling yeah. versus outbound selling yeah so what you learned in school was called push and pull marketing. That's the that's the terms we learned come, okay. coming up. Is push marketing is I'm gonna take my thing and push it onto the receiver. Okay. Pull marketing is I'm gonna do a bunch of stuff to bait the customer in. Okay. So one is I'm pushing my message. The other is I'm pulling the customer to my message. So long form content like a podcast, uh, downloadable ebooks, um, Digital ads, SEO, search engine optimization, um, email drip campaigns, like very graphical email, kind of newsletters. Yeah. Um, Even advertisements in industry magazines, trade shows, that's all pull marketing. Okay. Because I'm trying to bait the customer in to my brand. Push marketing or push sales outbound would be I'm going to – identify my ideal customer profile and I'm going to reach out and start the conversation proactively. Okay. And not reactively. Okay. Right. And the, the, the real truth is that push and pull are like two hands washing each other. Can you wash one hand by itself? Yes. <laughs> but is it better to use two? Yeah. 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 Clearly. So it's really push and pull are they juice each other. So if, if you have a good pull strategy, without a push strategy, then you're only focused on that one strategy.
3: Yeah.
2: And it's got its limitations and pros and cons. It could be very expensive. It can be very unpredictable. It can be very limited in a lot of ways. It can be be very hard to pull in qualified leads. Like if you if you're running a pull strategy from mirror group, yeah. you might get people that wanna um they want just a normal W two tax. Right. And you don't want that kind of customer. Right. right. right? We talked about that. Yeah, yeah. It's not your ideal customer. Right. So if you, run a in, if you run an inbound scheme, yep. it's really hard to say, don't give me that kind, when that's kind of the customer. Yep. You know, it's hard to differentiate. So on an outbound, you can be laser-focused. Right? Okay. You, can, you can say, I want you to reach out to construction businesses that have over 10 employees, and I want you to say this, because I know that construction companies have this pain point with this issue, and we've developed – this flyer, that when they say, yeah, send me more information, you send them that. Right. And that's going to start the conversation to get the meeting to then land the business. Okay. So one's more, one's proactive, one's a little bit reactive. Um, and so it's important to say, like, you have two sides of that funnel, the customer funnel. One's inbound, one's outbound. One's push, one's pull, uh, or pull and push, rather. And um, they can both work well together and juice each other. For example, if, if you're developing a podcast to pull in customers who need accounting consulting services, which is more mm-hmm. Mere group speed, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you hired a cold caller to reach out to local businesses that match the ideal customer profile and invited them to listen to the podcast.
0: Right. So that we, obviously. So then the two work together. Yeah,
2: that's that. That's in that. Two hand washing. There. You see that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it's like I'm reaching out and I'm saying, "Hey, I'm I'm Reese. I'm with the Mirror Group. Um, we're a cloud-based accounting firm, and uh, we cover the entire state of Louisiana. The way we do this is bam, bam, bam. Yep. Are
0: mm-hmm.
2: you interested in meeting more to to learn the benefits of cloud accounting? Right. And they yep. say, "Yeah, I'm interested in it." Great, look, um, I'm going to set a meeting with our CEO, Marcus. He's an, he's an expert in in this field. Um, at the very least, you'll walk away with some little nuggets about how to improve your current processes. Um, I'm going to send you a link to a page on our website. Brush up on that first. Um, we also have a pot. You know, yeah. now, now I'm dumping all my inbound yeah. channels on them. Yeah. Um, and the two are working together. Another thing we see a lot with outbound is that Google – when you push out a page through an email campaign or an outbound cold call campaign, when, so, when you include a link to say, like, check us out here, and they go to that link, Google sees that as an organic visit. So they start rocketing that, that link up the SEO ladder. Right. So you start to get a lot of inbound benefits from an outbound campaign. Uh, okay. Similarly, if you've got a really good inbound funnel – that inbound is helping your
0: outbound team capture more leads to then work to, to the customer. because they're already those are already somewhat warm, right? Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. So
2: we have a couple different. There's a couple different. There's several problems that sales creates in a company, but we we have different um, products or services services rather service packages that solve different problems. For example, a company may may not have a proactive way to get new sales opportunities. That's our bread and butter service, our prospecting
0: service. Okay.
2: So in that service, you're hiring three people for the price of one or less than one. You're hiring me as a manager to manage the sales development rep who's banging the phone and making cold calls. And also a sales enablement rep who's supporting the sales development rep with a CRM, with leads, with email campaigns, with all this stuff. Right? Yep. So for less than the price of a FTE, you're getting that. Right, And then we have performance rewards, and it aligns us to the customer's output. So that's one thing. If you don't have an outbound function, we can provi- provide you one. Let's say you, you have an inbound function that's working really well, and you got all these inbound leads, and you have no rep to field them. Yeah. You're, you're just flooded with inbound traction.
0: I would say that's us, not flooded, but that's, that's us. Right? We're like we're We're trying to figure out the sales process right now. Yes. And I'm figuring out, is it is it type forms where I bring people through questions at the end, they get to my calendar, or I say, we you know, I've heard people say the type form, if they don't answer the questions right, it leads them to a place where I say, sorry, we, we're not accepting new clients. Like, so I'm trying, when you're speaking all these things, this is resonating with me because, and he can attest to this, like I'm I'm somewhat all over the place, you know, I like got this podcast and we're doing this and we're doing that. But like, I would imagine with when you're working with clients, you're helping them to kind of hone in the ideal customer Get focused. Yeah.
2: I mean first step the first step of any marketing or sales effort is who do you want? Yeah. Define your target. Yeah. If you don't give me the bullseye, I can't hit it. Yeah. Right. So a lot of a lot of companies, that's the piece they get hung up on, man. I mean, we we talk six months about that sometimes before I close a deal for Fulcrum. Because if you give me the wrong bullseye, I'm gonna go hit that thing. And if it don't work out for you, (laughs) yeah. It, it, then we did all of this for
0: nothing, and we got to waste money and time. And, and you know. yes, yeah, definitely made me think of that because I've been lately. People will say that I was at Monster today, and somebody said, well, "Who's your ideal customer?" And I do in my mind, you know, it's pretty narrow, but yeah. not not that great, you know. Yep. So.
2: Yeah. So one of the things that another service we provide is inbound triage. So, like, if you're getting a bunch of inbound leads, and mark, marketing people will tell you, "We'll automate all that." But at the end of the day, you want someone interfacing with a human being and asking questions and pulling out stuff that an automated process can't pull out. Right. Right. So if you've got a – you may not have enough to, to, to um, pay a full-time salesperson to sit there and triage leads, but a fractional team like us to get the lead from the farm, right, new lead, look at it, research it, call them, Hey, would you like to meet with us? And 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 then if they say, Yeah, I really want to meet with y'all, okay. Well before we do to prepare for the meeting, let me ask you a couple questions. Sure, yeah, what you got? Blah, blah blah all the qualifying yeah. questions. Yeah, Right, that, that that the type form's supposed to do, that right? The type form's supposed to do. Yeah. If they're not qualified, then we tell them that. Well look, you really don't we really couldn't help you today. We advise this. Yeah. You know, or well look, it sounds like we can really help you. I'm looking forward to a meeting me, you and Marcus will knock this out the park. Yeah. That kind of thing. Right. You know, so what I've learned is that um, inbound leads in B2B, if your product is over 500 bucks, they're not buying off your website. Like people want to talk to a person.
0: That's interesting.
2: There's like a, I call it the action threshold. There's a certain threshold that people have to get to in order to make action. And when they're not converting, the value's not there. There's questions or there's, or there's um,
0: hesitation. Yeah, because I—I mean, it's funny you say that because, I mean, when when you said the marketing people say automated, I mean that's that's definitely what I start thinking. Like, okay, how can I put this in place—a system where it spits out the lead and they're ready to go, they're ready to buy. But I guess what you're saying in your experience is that's great, but the the human mm-hmm. element can get it sometimes get it more effectively across the finish line and or qualify it better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: What do you tell the person? You said something interesting earlier when you're about your experience working with, I think, CIS or CSI. Okay. Yep. I, mean, I forget. CIS. CIS. Yeah, CSI uh, is what you're c- be there you doing go. tonight.
0: That's right. Nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Netflix.
1: Um, you mentioned that's not the CIS way, right? I feel like in just talking with business owners, when they adopt part of part of why they don't adopt a sales thing is because they they might have been. They might have built their business around being an expert at a certain craft or things like that, and sales is not one of those. Speak to the small business owner who feels that way, who feels like, oh, I don't know if I could let somebody else sell my product. I know I'm hitting a plateau. I know I need salespeople, but my business is so personal to me. Uh, whether they would articulate that or not, but you yeah. can see it in how they react, oh, like yeah. oh, that's letting somebody else sales. cold call, well, even, the, my, even the term sales, yeah, yeah or letting somebody it. cold call on my behalf, like that's just not how. Oh like, yeah, we fight sp- that a lot. Speak to that yeah. on on what you know. How do you address that with clients? What do you what do you say to them? So, one of the one of the top
2: use cases we see is that a founder CEO or... VP of sales, VP of business development is the best closer on the team, right? Especially founder CEO. Yeah it's, yeah, it's their baby. I mean, they started it from nothing. They can tell the story really well. They can also, this is one thing that founders don't realize is that they have ultimate negotiation power, right? When you have a, when you have a salesperson who's in charge of revenue and you put them in a sales meeting, they're not willing to negotiate very much because they got a number to hit. When you're the founder CEO and you hear a customer say, well, would you consider doing it this way? Then I'm like, gee, that might work better. Yeah. Like, let's try that. Yeah. So they're way more creative and loose with, with the construct of the product. And so founder CEOs have a lot at their in their toolbox to like crush. Uh, uh, most of the time in most companies we work with, we're bolting on to the VP of sales or VP of business development or the CEO founder. Where- We're getting them more at-bats. It's not that we're replacing them. We're getting them opportunity to come in and hit the ball off the tee and crush a home run. We're more or less just putting the ball on the tee. There is some hesitation around like, well, man, are you going to represent my brand well? And That is typically squashed by the way I sell Fulcrum. I think people see how I sell and they're like, I like the way he sells his stuff so I can – Trust him to sell my stuff. Well, mm-hmm. I think what's interesting
0: too is that Bruce in the pudding to yeah. some
2: degree sometimes there is
0: a there is a little bit of a paradigm like you know like I was saying even though even the word sales yeah some people like Ooh, sales like mm-hmm. but like I I've, I understand that but like I've started to experience in my career when people respect people who are confident if it's the sales team like an outsourced sales team your own sales team or the founder who are confident in their product to sell it yeah because I was reading something I forget what it was I think it was a uh, it was Mike McCallowitz's mm-hmm. new book I don't know if you yeah. got read profit first it was uh, it was the it was his marketing but what is it called get different okay get, get different and he said you have you believe in your product so much you have an obligation yeah. to sell it right that resonated with me and it almost made me think like I've experienced that with people where they come to me selling and I'm a business owner I'm like I'll give you a shot yeah, I can appreciate when somebody has enough confidence in their product to say, "No, you need this." Right. You know, so like it's an interesting because I I felt what you're feeling, which is, oh man, sales guys calling, cold calling people. But like if you really believe in your product, there is like that that obligation. Like, no, I got to get this out there. And we feel mm-hmm. that way about our product. We're like, yeah, people need this stuff. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's a, it is a much of a paradigm, you know. Yeah. And let me mention this too. Most cold calling is done by.
2: People who are poorly trained and poorly managed. So on the receiving end of the traditional cold call, it's not very good. Yeah. When you have someone who's good at it, competent, confident, clear, um, and has done the work to hone the messaging to where the values immediately obvious, cold calling is not that bad. Yeah.
1: You know? All right, I, I gotta put throw this at you, man. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's an elephant in the room, but it might be a square peg, circle hole. Okay. Everybody hates getting cold calls. Yeah. yeah, I I don't answer my phone anymore unless I know. Yeah, I, was, who, I know people who it will is. freak
2: out whenever I say what to do.
1: Help me get from point A to point B because I'm just thinking you have a business around cold calling. Not only cold calling, you're cold calling executives, people who obviously are
0: with gatekeepers. Yeah, like <laughs>
1: yeah. I know. I'm thinking, how would you call me? I yeah. don't. I don't answer my phone, and I don't. I, I know a lot of people who are in the same boat.
2: So it's it's uh, the, the secret is omni channel. So it's it's multi you gotta give people options to control the conversation the way they wanna have it. So it's not just cold calling, it's cold email, it's cold LinkedIn, it's all
1: of it. Okay. So <laughs> right? that cold calling is just a uh, – is that's it's cold help- outreach. Apparently, that's uh, that's helpful. Apparently yeah. you're yeah. just trying
0: to get warm somewhere. This yeah. is what I'm getting yeah. from this like yeah. everything's yeah. cold.
1: Get something. That makes, that makes so more let sense let me. The how LinkedIn thing, I I'll want to talk about that. tell you
0: how
2: we do it. So the way we do it, and LinkedIn's like probably our least used channel. Um, it's used more as a research primer than it is a, an outreach channel. I find LinkedIn outreach is very spammy.
3: It's yeah, related. there's a
2: whole Yeah. talk about that. That's right. So kind of if, if there was one thing that I would say I am like the best at, the best in the world at is cold email outreach. I crush it at that. And I, u- I use that. Says the sales
0: guy. I love it. I love it. I love it. I believed mean, it. Yeah, I'm like, we just it's, send it's emails. Just I want to sell something. Uh, it's just
2: the truth. Can we make a product and start selling it? <laughs> yeah, it's just the truth. And, and we use that as a warmer for the call. And so um, the, way that, the way it kind of works, our looks would be like, imagine uh, a client hires me to cold call CPA firms. I was going to ask you this. I want to give you an example. CPA firms. Okay. Oh. I'm calling on CPA firms. And I'm selling them a tax software. Okay. Right? And Marcus is going to get in that list because he fits the bill. He's the CEO of a CPA firm. Okay? So he's in my list. So first of all, the list is the strategy. Right? Like a plant can't grow in rocky ground. So If you have a crappy lead list, you have rocky ground. Yeah.
1: Your campaign's that's not from be the good. Bible, folks. Yeah, so right.
2: <laughs> I mean, Jesus said, you
0: know. So I want to talk about the thorny. Soil, <laughs> that's right, we? man. Yeah. That's
2: right. So, so the strategy is in the list, and any any sales expert pundit that would say otherwise is tripping. Like I know yeah. the Te- real technical term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they're tripping. <laughs> um, that is the technical term <laughs> yeah. from St. <Saint> Martinville. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Uh, so. <laughs> So they, yeah. So the list is very, very important. So in that list, if I've got a really good list, I've got Marcus's direct line. I've got his cell phone number. If I can find it, I've got his validated, verified email address. I've got his address. I've got his business name, not, not the one, not the LLC that no one knows about. Right. I've got the actual business name. Um, it would, yeah, it would be a not Don't I'm yourself. scared all in yeah, the same I'm time. Saying, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I've got his uh, his IQ level, his social security number, yeah. <laughs> kids' name. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I've got his hopefully I got his LinkedIn profile, right? Which I'll I'll get to why that's important. So all that data comes up and then we we verify all the data because you don't want to be sending outbound email campaigns to bogus emails because it's gonna hurt your spam score. Right. And you won't get delivered. So it, there's a whole washing process. Okay? It doesn't depend on any of this.: Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> so there's a whole washing process to it. So after it's washed and it's like, okay, this is the data. This is it, the source and summit. Then what we do is we draft a four-step email cadence. Okay? So we pour over that too. So it's like it's a four-step email send that's going to be like personalized and also very short. We write all our cadences on our phone. Because it forces us to be limited and and, and short and brief okay. and impactful. So it's okay, what are we gonna share? What's the thing that we're gonna ask Marcus to check out? Right? Hopefully that's a video or a flyer or something, web page, something. Again, that can help the inbound, that can help juice the inbound effort. So the, the cadence might be like, Hi Marcus, um, have you have you decided uh, have you uh Formalize your operations around a tax software yet reason i ask is i'm reese i'm with xyz and we're working with cpa firms across the country to do these four things which one's important to you that's it that's what i'm sending because the goal is to get marcus to engage with me. it's not to sell him something yeah at first and and that's when cold call feels crappy when someone's trying to force fit a solution down your throat and sell you right then and there. The idea is to sell interest, to sell intrigue, to sell opportunity, to sell hope, and to sell expertise so that you transact your time with me,
1: not your money. Yeah.
2: When you transact well, time. I'm wiping
1: my eyes over here. When you,
2: when you transact <laughs> time look with out, look me. Look at what he's looking at. You. He's, got, this he's is, got
1: you. This is personal.
2: might as well just it. reel you in, dude. That's
0: yeah. right. What's he selling? I don't even know. I want it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. When you transact time with me. That's the moment where I can sell you value. Yeah. To transact money. So, first, it's I got to get your time, a meeting, a, a, a call, a face to face, whatever it might be. Yeah. Right. So that you can start to vet my solution and your problem, essentially. Yeah. So, let's say so that email cadence goes out. We, we have a bunch of tools, and, and Marcus will get the first email. If he doesn't open it, he'll get the second email. He opens it, he'll get a third email. He replies.
1: Not interested.
2: Take him off the list.
1: Yeah. Easy enough.
2: Yeah. Then one of my guys is going to get a push later. All the not interested are going to go into the CRM. And then they'll call Marcus because maybe the phone is his channel. Maybe he likes talking to people. And it's not worth his time unless somebody's willing to give him a call. Mm. But if somebody calls him and gets him on the phone and he talks to him, then okay. This might be legit. People perceive legitimacy, truth, value, all in a diff- bunch of different ways. So I got to give you everything to match your perception. Not to sell you the way I want to sell you, but to sell you the way you want to be, so, yeah. the way you want to buy. Right. So, if, um, so if, if we give Marcus a call, he might think about it differently. He might be able to ask a question. You know, I got that email, but it sounded like this. Is it that? No, it's not that at all. It's this, right? Oh, yeah, I'm interested in that. Sounds cool, yeah. Then my team's like, hey, this guy thought it was this, but it's actually that. Let's change our messaging.
0: Let me ask you a question. And
2: after a ton of iterations yeah. around that, sooner or later, everybody's saying yes.
0: So we got the right message. I noticed a bunch of times. I mean, and you would do this in conversation, but you, you've, you've said my name yeah, a bunch of times.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that that's intentional? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. And not in a way like—
2: It's the sweetest— Name is the sweetest sound.
0: Yeah, the world, and I'm, I'm so. I mean, I've done a little bit of <laughs> <laughs> egotistical. Hold yeah.
1: on a second.
0: Can we cut that camera out, please? Yeah. No, that's that's that. classic. That, that's yeah, that's classic. I'm, I'm like this dude. It's that's classic like
1: how to make friends and influence others. Yeah. I mean, that's... Carnegie. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like
0: he's almost too good. Yeah. Like, can be sweet. Yeah.
1: All right, so. That, that was a great explanation because yeah. I felt like that needed to be cleared up yeah. so that people just didn't dismiss this yep. um, based on their own personal experience with, with uh, sales. Mm-hmm. What can you tell, you know, you, I'm sure, step into a lot of businesses. Yep. I mean, what would you just imagine if there's 10 business owners listening to this, if there's a thousand, what could you guess that they're not doing that they need to do now?
2: Um, one big thing is all business owners need to realize that they built their business through this process, whether they like it or not. Because, and, and you can have a business owner out there and say, no, man, I grew 100% organic year over year. Never, never reached out to one person. Everybody called me. Like referrals? Yeah. Referrals. Everybody called me. Yeah. You know, I don't have to market. I never spent a dollar on marketing. Oh, yeah. I've never made that. one outbound call. Well, how did you build the relationships to get your first customer? Well, I went to college and met a bunch of people and drank drinks with them and had fun. Yeah. You know, got their trust. Oh, so you put yourself out there at one point to build a relationship that led to something else. That's outbound sales. Yeah. Like at some point, you got to interject yourself into the marketplace. Yeah, I think that's true for growth.
1: I mean, I've seen, I've plateaued a few businesses in my day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and it's all it's usually because, yeah, that organic growth only gets you to a certain point. And then you have to build an infrastructure, and that transition Mm -hmm. is really difficult. Is there anything you could tell the business owner who's stuck Mm -hmm. in that moment where they've like, man, I've built a business, and it's been that way? It's been referral after referral Mm -hmm. just doing a good job and helping people. How do you move out of that into a – just to start building – yeah. Building something that's um, bigger than that. Three three seven two five five. <laughs> no, it's it's really you got to start.
2: What I would advise them to do is get intentional about. Okay, who is? Where are the? Who are the referrals? Let's define the referrals. Let's create a persona to use a marketing buzzword. Let's use. Let's create a persona around the referral, right? It, who are they as a person? Who are they from a business standpoint? Don't just tell me that, yeah, we work with CPA firms. Okay. what's well, that tells me nothing. Right? I mean, that's like that's a that's trying to boil the ocean. Oh, well, there's only like 40,000 CPA firms in the country. Yeah, that's the ocean.
0: Right? Oh, the oh, the old. If I just get 1%? Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> tell that's... me exactly. Yeah. So
2: if you say, well, we work with guys just like Marcus. CEOs of CPA firms. Yeah, but what about Marcus makes him want to work with you? That he's proactive? That he's progressive? That he's innovative, that he's young, he's hungry, he's got on, he's got. Can you stop le- with young. I like no. no. yeah, 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 that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's got gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please, please. please. <laughs> um, so, what about Marcus makes him a good fit and makes him a referral, right? So, get really intentional about that. So now you've got mm-hmm. your target defined, and then what about your product or service is gonna make him salivate? And if you, can, if you can figure that out, then you can start to force fit those, those – you can start to grow beyond the plateau. And one thing that a lot of people don't think about too, and I'll, I'll encourage every business owner to think about this, is to develop channel partners. And if, if you're scared to outbound direct to, con, to customer, then at least outbound channel partners. Right. Create an affiliate program or a channel partner program. Where like, for example, Marcus may get a ton of referrals from other CPA firms who only want the tax stuff, right? So could he develop a a channel partnership that rewards or incentivizes CPA firms that only want tax to send him business and he'll send them the tax business and they can formalize that? How easy is that call? Hey, um, XYZ. Accountant, you know, I'm Marcus Muir. I'm the founder and owner of Mirror um, Accounting Group. I'm, I'm you're perceivably competition, but I'm not. You yeah. know, I want to develop a relationship with you. It seems yeah. from the outset that you want all my tax work, I'll give it to you.
1: Yeah, I call those mm-hmm. residual relationships. Yeah, that comes right. You know, how when you were 24, you were a professor mm-hmm. when I was 24, they gave me a business column at the paper. No business wow. doing okay. that, I didn't but know that. yeah, I had a business. Bit- <laughs> <laughs> One of the articles was called "Residual Relationships." Okay. It was that same idea that if you build out, you know, just if you have a few yep. people that can send you consistent work, and you you are intentional with those relationships, there'll be residual income for you forever.
2: That's right. Yeah. You know? and and you know,
1: um,
2: I'm I'm trying to. And that's really called an indirect selling method. So in the in the, in the profession of. Sales That is a wholesale method, methodology, which is indirect selling. Like, for example, not to throw logos out in business. You might have to bleep this, but I'll say this. The red stuff in a bottle that we all put on our eggs and our, our food that we all love in Avery Island.
1: Yeah, Tabasco. Yeah, Tabasco. Yeah, I think we're okay. I don't want to <laughs> Hold on, they-
0: we're trying to get partnerships here. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need, we, we need uh, ad dollars. The yeah, yeah. So they...
2: Their entire business is built on indirect sales. They don't sell directly to you and me. Sorry, they don't. They sell through restaurants, bars, and, and retailers, grocery stores. They don't control the sale of their own product. So business owners sometimes think like, well, how do I go direct to customers? Well, how'd you grow? Oh, I got referrals. From who? From these guys. Well, how about we build a program around adding value back to them? and then outbound the crap out of them. They'll line up.
3: Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: It's, you're putting an investment in that channel, but if that channel has yielded in the past, that's the one they invest into. Or you could build a from-scratch outbound method that goes direct to customer. and crushes.
1: Yeah. Do both. Do both. That's <laughs> your motto, right? That's right. <laughs> Do all of it. <laughs> yeah. Both hands together. That, lather right. lather, like it, lather it up. Wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Together. Good deal. Look, I mean, we've we've talked a good bit here. Is there anything else just the last? You're you're halfway a a motivational speaker. Is there just like you want to bring it home the last last um, 30 seconds? Hit him with it, zig. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Hmm. I'll put you on the spot, man. I I know, right? I know, right?
2: (laughs) I would say that you know, it's never too late to take control of the sales function of your business. Um, taking control of the sales function is partly partly introspective, where it's like, well, what what's working, what's not working, who is our customer, what do we do for them, how do we add value to them, like reflect on all. Yeah, yeah,
0: That's yeah. <laughs>
2: Try not to keep just. Got to get more business. Got to get more business. Let's dump. I know. Yeah. There's there's a few
1: things in a business where, like, I always felt that way with websites. Like, you'd start Mm -hmm. a website, and technically, especially nowadays, it's really easy to do a website. But the problem is it forces the business owner or whoever's in charge of the website to all of a sudden start having to answer all these questions about their business they never considered. And I feel like sales would be even that magnified. Uh But it's worth it. It's worth the exercise of doing it, of getting focused, of building a system. I mean, the fruits are are there for sure.
0: Well, you didn't ask them the you didn't ask them the most important question. we
1: have. Oh yeah, I'll let you ask that. All right, all right, so Reece, ridiculous we asked, question. We asked this. No, this it, says, here. it
0: says on my thing is very important. <laughs> so we asked everybody this in our interviews: when you're putting on your socks and shoes in the morning, is it sock sock shoe shoe or sock shoe sock shoe? And there's a right answer to this. So. Tread lightly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you like Tyler, you'd never wear. Socks. Ooh, yeah. Orders yeah,
1: once, once right. a when day.
0: From, I'm from Catalonia. Yeah. Shoes are optional. All right. Yeah. Come on. What is it? Quick, quick hitter. Um, I do sock, sock, shoe, shoe. All right. That's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> He's, uh... All right. If, if, if people want to get in touch with you, reach out. They're, they heard this. Okay. I'm ready to take action. I want to get in touch with Reese. That sounds like something amazing for my business. How can they get in touch with so, um, you? So go on our
2: website, fulcrum, F U L C R U M, sales.marketing dot com
0: dot marketing i get that i'm, I'm mirror.group dot group yeah people think yeah. all the time dot dot .group.com. com i'm yeah, like
2: right no not. so fulcrum sales dot marketing there's a contact form there or give me a call three three seven two five five six four eight three
1: got it yeah. easy enough well good deal reese thanks so much man this has Thank been yeah, this lo- loaded with value so appreciate you uh you being here yep as always check out the rest of the episodes including this one at mirror dot group You can reach out to Marcus and the firm there as well. Until next time. All right. See you guys.